Shut up and sit down. I'm Dr. Corbin Weaver, an OB-GYN resident. I'm Dr. Katie Wyatt, and I'm one too. And I'm Dave Etler, their pod father. And, and we, we are, are the Vagabonds. Three friends venturing through the world of feminism and healthcare for women, babies, and people of all kinds. We don't give medical advice, and we don't speak for anyone other than ourselves. We're just recording conversations we'd be having in bars anyway. Today, we're going to be talking about squirting. Yay! Yay. <laughs> I'm excited to learn. Here we are. Uh, more about about this stuff. Uh, or maybe you'll just be before. more confused. Yeah, probably. So we have a guest with us today. Hello. 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 It's Kate. Dr. Kate. Dr. Dr. Kate. Kate. It's true, Dr. Kate. It's official. Um, uh, I went to my like pre-screening health appointment for my residency the other day, and they called when I was sitting out in the waiting room. They called me, and they were like, Dr. Weaver. And she kept calling yes. me Dr. Weaver. And normally I'd be like, you can call me Corbin. But I was like too secretly thrilled to hear Dr. <laughs> Weaver to stop her. You're like reveling in it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, so Kate is a new doctor just like us. She graduated with us. And she's starting residency in family medicine. Mm-hmm. Woo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So exciting. Taking care of all your needs. Yeah. 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 Hopefully so. I see lots of ob still. Yeah. Because that's what brought me to med school, but. Yeah. And then little okay. kids, they suckered me into family med. I know. They're just too cute. They are too cute. What, what made you change? Little kids. I blame it on a five-year-old girl in Algona, Iowa. Okay. It was the cutest little clinical encounter ever. And I just knew in that moment, I was like, I cannot spend the rest of my life not seeing little kids. Fair enough. Tell them why. What'd she say? Oh, okay. It was really cute because she just... Usually when you have a sick little kid, they're sitting on their mommy's lap and they're just so sad. And mm. mom's having to tell this elaborate story about what's been happening. And I walk in the room and there's this super adorable little five-year-old girl sitting on the edge of the exam table. And her mom is just like totally exhausted sitting in the exam room, just leaning back like, ugh. And this little girl just starts instantly rambling and rambling and rambling and telling me all about this stomach flu that she's had. And just she's been pooping and vomiting and all this stuff. She's going on and on and on. Like, I haven't even said, like, hi, I'm Kate. <laughs> um, and she just goes on and on and on. And this adorable story. And then she ends it with, and then I vomited on a piece of bread. Like, <laughs> that was the last straw. And it was just so cute. And I loved her. <laughs> Chief complaint, vomiting on I, bread. On bread, yeah. Yeah, it was really awesome. cute. Well, all right. So, all right. Yeah. Well. Why do we? Why, why are you here today? Well, we're gonna move from talking about little kids to talking about squirting. Well, yeah. that's classic. That's how we do things yeah. here. So appropriate. <laughs> so when we started this podcast, Kate was like, "Oh, you guys should do like." PubMed of stuff that's like common and like porn or like pop culture and we're like well then you can do it <laughs> on an episode so we finally talked her in I know. to doing an episode a year later thanks for having me I'm yeah. excited I am excited and terrified of being here and knowing that like my voice is being recorded it's mm. alright it's okay, okay. Big, brother, big brother is watching us everywhere anyway so it doesn't that's true. that's true so tell us about squirting Kate okay well okay so squirting Talking about, like, female squirting during sex and everything. That's what we're going to be talking about. So I thought it'd be kind of fun 
to start by like you guys tell me what before medical school and stuff like what your thoughts are on it what you understood of it how you were exposed to it just like when a woman pees during sex i think is what i thought Mm -hmm. just just pees a little bit yeah yeah so i feel like in my like cursory research into it like it's people debate whether it's pee or not which like i feel like is now knowing what i know like I don't understand what else it could be, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just a strange Isn't that an phenomenon. easily testable hypothesis? No. Uh, no. No? Because you it's have hard. to, like, have someone yeah, partaking and then, in the act of intercourse. Yeah. But then also, like, every all the fluids are, like, mixing together anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. No, it's super interesting to read how they try to study it. Because you have to first imagine, like, somehow they have to get a bunch of women in there and then have them orgasm and be capable of squirting. Right. And then somehow you have to piece out all this fluid that's associated with intercourse. And yeah, so yeah. So many fluids. Turns out there's not a lot of good research about it. But yeah. it's still interesting. As I mean, with in, most sexual things. Yeah, yeah and also especially with women. In pop culture, I feel like it's uh or you know, kind of thought of as like a gross thing. Like, ooh, she's or like or, a, or like the hottest thing that's ever existed. Yeah, like a like a pinnacle of like mm-hmm. achievement. Yeah. And that's, so I had fun. First, I just Googled squirting, obviously, in the incognito <laughs> browser. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. um, yeah, I just want to see what weirder kind of, stuff in that. Yeah. But I figured I don't need, like, my Facebook ads to Yeah, that's true. Just a bunch of porn sites. True. <laughs> that's fine. Um, yeah, so uh, I did that. I Googled it. And then, obviously, it's just a bunch of porn. And so the one I... <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't click on any of these. You got to put your safe search on. What? The safe search? Yeah, right? <clears throat> no ads. You'd get, like, nothing. It'd be, like, squirt yeah. guns. Yeah. Aw. Um, Aw, think about the poor kid who just tried to... <laughs> search squirt guns oh i feel bad for that kid yeah oh hopefully he's over 13 yeah um yeah so i googled it and uh some of the things that came up um the ultimate squirting compilation so fucking hot and that was from pornhub.com i didn't click on it so yeah so overwhelmingly like in porn but then again like every sexual act is exciting on porn yeah obviously you're not gonna see negative things about anything sexual um so then other things popped up so obviously urban dictionary um Mm -hmm. and i was kind of reading through some of those um and obviously with urban dictionary you get hilarious shit yeah so um the common like overwhelming thing with urban dictionary was that it's something that's very rare um and then only happens for the lucky women Oh. The lucky one. Yeah. In the and world. Then, yeah, I know. And then, and then, uh, it one like person they assume was that it only happens with people orgasm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or, There's... or that it intensifies the orgasm. It's, or it's yeah. 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 Orgasm. yeah. It sounds like they're trying to substitute like the male ejaculation yeah. for female squirting. Oh yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. There's lots of fun feminist concepts. I think. With this I in think theories. as a boy, that would be that. As a man, that would be what most men would. Assume. Would would assume like mm-hmm. it's somehow the equivalent of male ejaculation. Yeah, in a, in a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, well, it's still like confusing what actually is. But there are right. a lot of like feminist theories about it, and um, and we can kind of dive into that later. Like why why do we need to have like this tangible and like visible aspect of an orgasm for a female? Because we don't trust women. Yeah, I don't know. That's why. It's a bunch of fakers. I know we're liars. <laughs> Yeah, always. Yeah, um, it's impossible. Women are unknowable. Yes, 
It's impossible. Mystery, right? Yes. Mm. Uh, so kind of going with the Urban Dictionary, some of the weird ones were, uh, when a female has been masturbating or having sex, she feels like she needs to pee. This is called an orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> the female pushes like she needs to pee in a clear, odorless liquid squirts out of her vagina. This is known as squirting. Not all can do it, but your lucky one, or your lucky ones can. Um, what in the world? Yeah. So lots of weird shit like that. Um, and then obviously like a lot of, I'm perplexed. Uh, me too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, also, mm-hmm. I hope <laughs> I hope no one actually thinks that's what an orgasm is. Yeah, you'd be wrong. Well, it's kind of well. Yeah, I well, mean, Kate, what did you find when you searched the scholarly literature? Uh, um, do you want to finish Urban like Dictionary? Ca- oh yeah, before... finish your Urban Dictionary. Well, and we're kind of done with Urban Dictionary because oh, okay, I thought another thing with the pop culture is is that like all like Cosmo and all these women yeah. health things they're always like you need to figure out how to squirt because it's the men best will, men yeah. will love you you need and to so, figure out how yeah. to squirt so like articles like what is squirting five things you didn't know about it but should um and things like figure that figure out how to pee a little bit yeah when yeah and so and I it, learned how to pee a long time ago you got that down yep you figured it out I'm good at it good um yeah so lots of stuff out there in pop culture and then it's also in movies and all that stuff. Um, I have personally, I have never thought about it as anything other than kind of mildly inconvenient. Yeah. Like why? I mean, I agree. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I don't know. I yeah. guess I'm not bent in that direction. But yeah. Well, that's the thing will, is, yeah. To me, I mean, obviously, it sounds like we're, the science is not super clear. Take a shot. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But. You know, the way the female urethra and vagina is and like if you're having like penetrative vaginal sex, I mean, you can potentially be putting pressure, you know, in weird places yeah. on your urethra. And <laughs> I have some hand Corbin's motions. Corbin's moving her hands, weirdly. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't an unfortunate use of my hands. I was, I mean, that is not yeah. unfortunate. It's there just was literal. A, um, so... My hand, I guess, was representative of the penis. That's great. Uh, but so <laughs> I would just assume it like interferes with the stability of the pelvic floor and causes like leakage of the some pee. Yeah. Or urine, I guess. If we're See, thinking. my thing is like if you're squirting, I feel like you need pelvic floor physical therapy because you like don't have your sphincter is not strong enough potentially yeah uh but no but like people but like they say they can like do it when they masturbate too though yeah it's not just so then, with vaginal or yeah penetration no mm-hmm. not just mm-hmm. with penetration mm-hmm. so then yeah. it's weird but anyway yeah, maybe it's i mean because like different muscles are engaged when, right like yeah. a woman orgasms yeah so yeah it's hmm. super interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So there have been like mild descriptions of this in the past. Um, so dating back even to the 16th century, one of my favorites was from the 17th century. This is all just from Wikipedia. I was trying to mm, figure out the yes. history of it. And uh, Francois Maroussier um, described glands at the erythral meatus that, this was the quote, pour out great quantities of a saline liqueur during coition, which <laughs> increases the heat and enjoyment of women. Oh. Wait, but is that like liqueur? That's what he was describing from um, around glands at the urethral meatus. So kind of getting at the idea of like, Mm. um, not necessarily like in your not vagina, like like not like Bartholin's glands. Yeah, Mm -hmm. 
Um, but yeah, so lots of people are trying to describe what it is um, and then trying to figure out where would this food would even be coming from, um, which is actually kind of what a lot of modern research is trying to figure yeah. out. Like, what exactly is this fluid? What's the mechanism of this release? And where exactly is it coming from? Um, so a couple of things that we can kind of talk about and piece out. Um, if you even just like for a total layperson, if you're Googling and reading articles, they're always talking about the female prostate. And so I thought we can maybe explain what's actually meant by that. Um, so men have a prostate, but we all embryologically are exactly the same in the very, very beginning. So women have these things called the skein glands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these are homologous to the prostate gland, which the prostate is an exocrine, exocrine gland. It secretes whenever there's an orgasm. It kind of helps uh, the semen along so that you get a baby. Um, well, and also the prostate makes uh, its own like enzymes that are a part of semen and mm-hmm. like supplies the fructose that's in semen. Mm-hmm. So that they can eat and then... Yeah, for the sperm. Yeah. yeah, and then... So they can eat. <laughs> It's like yum, the yum, juice yum, of yum. the semen. Yeah. yeah, it's like yeah, everything. It's fluid. like everything yeah. else besides the sperm. The sperm. That's yeah. semen. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So women have these kind of remnants of it, these skein glands, and actually, um, it's like the anatomy of it still is kind of confusing because some this they're kind of remnants and they're just these uh almost like remnants of the prostate nothing leading to nothing but then some people theorize that like one half to two-third women actually will have like a prostatic tissue almost there mm. so it's very confusing um so it's yeah. it, uh, sort of a I, I guess a vestigial prostate that functions yeah. in a, in some way in its own way yeah 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 um so mm. lots of areas where this could be coming from all this fluid um so looking at trying to get the numbers of the prevalence and how much fluid is actually coming out when someone has um, these moments of squirting. Um, it sounds the, like Mr. Frenchman thinks says it's vast quantities. Yes. Well, so there uh, are there are reports again, of like inconvenient. Yeah. Um, up from one milliliter, so a tiny amount up to nine hundred milliliters, almost a liter of liquid that some people are describing, and people how, are wait. saying, yeah. <laughs> "Wait, what? In a given time, mm-hmm. how much?" No. Up to 900 ml. Really? Yeah. A that's fucking a, liter? Like, yeah. That's so much. What? You would that's be so... Discuss. That's like more... That that's doesn't even make sense. That's you like guys water. almost you more that you're... You need because the videos are crazy. Like a good... Like that's a like good almost... Mm-hmm. Okay, that like would make sense to be urine because that's like almost as much as your bladder can hold. Yeah. I can't see how a small gland like that could hold that. Yeah. That. yeah. Without having like a huge uh-huh. like cyst in your pelvis yeah right all very confusing um and then it's yeah so between 10 to 54 percent of their bladder yeah but this is all these this data is all from like research a compilation of or like a systemic review of someone going through the research Hmm. and so obviously there's huge differences um kind of for what we were talking about before there's no good research out there how do you even study this um, and also, some of that stuff is going to be self-reported. Yeah, yeah. so there's or a lot not of, all of it, so Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I'm going to kind of jump into what mm. some of the research is. So from a medical perspective, um, like we said, talking about what is the fluid, where exactly is it coming from? And it seems overwhelmingly that it's more likely that there's just multiple things going on that work colloquial or like we're mm-hmm. just calling it all the same thing yeah so um in the journal of sexual medicine back in 2013 I um, subscribe to that journal mm, yeah 
could be fun. Okay. Could be fun. You can help with your porn and PubMed. Yeah. Mm. Podcast. Yeah. Perhaps we have access to it. Probably. Anyway. That's true. Sorry. Um, okay. So the title of this was called Female Ejaculation Orgasm versus Coital Incontinence. This was a, a systematic review um, by Dr. Pastor. Um, so like I said, kind of trying to figure out what's the origin, what's the mechanism, and then also doing biochemical analysis of the fluids. Um, and the goal here um, was to make sure that you have the correct diagnosis because sometimes if you're having fluid um, expelled during intercourse, that might be something that is resulting from um, from a disease process or like an ab- ab- like an anatomical abnormality mm-hmm. that you can potentially get treatment for. So there was a goal with this too. So what they did is they selected studies from an electronic database um, using keywords like female ejaculation, female prostate, vaginal lubrication, squirting, coital incontinence. Um, and then after selecting all English studies with human um, participants, um, I guess we were done have not human participants, but they implied that there were non-human studies. Um, so 46 total studies were looked at with here. Um, so talking about some of the results with this. So like I said, it seems more likely that it's multiple things going on. And so they actually looked at first just breaking down in the fluids. Looks like there's vaginal lubrication, which could be coming from the vag- the vagina or the perivaginal muscle contractions, mm-hmm. um, which is something that is pretty common knowledge that, that would happen. And then um, there's also this ejaculation orgasm. Um, and this, the fluids from this could come then from a female prostate, from a urinary bladder, or a mixture of the both. Um, and then also you could have coital incontinence. So this would be exclusively urine, or not exclusively urine, but most likely urine. Um, and this could be from different types of incontinence. So things like stress incontinence, which is one type of incontinence. Um, and that would be associated with penetration incontinence. So people like on penetration, they'd suddenly have loss of um, urine and then detrosor overactivity, which would be associated then with orgasmic incontinence. Mm. So during orgasm, they would spill urine. Um, so looking at when they actually studied the fluid. So in eight studies, they objectively confirmed with biochemical analysis that there was PSA, which is the prostate specific antigen. Mm. So they are finding that um, there is release most likely from the skin glands because they're the remnants of the, you know, what the male prostate would be. So they are actually finding PSA. Um, hmm. And then, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, and then um, looking at the different things, so they're doing chemical analysis of, um, you know, what's actually in there, like urea, um, the fructose, the glucose, all this stuff that's actually in the fluids. Um, and different ways have tried to one particular study within this um, systemic review. So they looked, they placed a catheter, um, a urethral catheter, as to, in an attempt to distinguish this. Um, so they effectively drained the urinary bladder um, with compression of the meatus, of, and then they saw fluid excreted from the, the prostate the female prostate ducts, and then there was also other fluid that was released in, so they got to try and chemically um, analyze what's going on here. So they do find that from the prostatic ducts in women, there can be this kind of thick, whitish fluid, mm-hmm. um, which is always positive then for the PSA. Um, I wonder if it has fructose in it, too, because that's like a mm-hmm. huge marker of like, like when you do like a semen analysis on someone, like we do them a lot for infertility. Like if it's, if there's no fructose, you know that it's like a blockage in the system rather than like 
the prostate itself because like prosthetic fluid specifically has fructose in it unlike a lot of other body fluids oh, cool. so like i wonder if it has fructose in it too you know because if mm-hmm. they're saying it's like p- prostatic fluid yeah no, and that's, so they actually did that. They analyzed it. And yeah. so they broke it down to three things. They looked at voided urine, the squirting material, or the squirting fluid, uh-huh. and then also ejaculate. There were large amounts of the fructose and glucose in the ejaculate, but they also found some in the squirting material, or the squirting fluids, yeah. and then there was none in the urine. There could be a, um, you know, a small amount of that fluid in, like, the squirted, what we'll call the squirting fluid, I yeah. guess, and... But the amount could be, like, supplemented by, you know, women who are, like, noticeably squirt. Like, maybe it's mostly urine or, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. perhaps all women have this fluid Mm -hmm. or this, like, prostatic fluid in their vagina normally or, you know, with ejaculation or ejaculation I don't know, so it would uh orgasm like is it noticeable you know right like if of- we all have it but just this more than other some people yeah. have more than others so many questions i know wow the mystifying female orgasm you're right women mm-hmm. are unknowable mm-hmm. <laughs> i know mm-hmm. yeah it's impossible to there's know there's no point in even speculating right. about women mm-hmm. yeah nope. um so kind of jumping in with this kind of third category, then they also talked about incontinence, which would be blatant urine. Mm-hmm. Um, urinary incontinence is incredibly common for women. Just you guys will see it all the time. Yeah. Blatant. Mm, just <laughs> pissing everywhere. <laughs> uh, anyway, super common, like 20 to 45% of the female population has urinary incontinence. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. Turns out babies... Ask your gynecologist about public floor physical therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I went on a whole rant this weekend about pelvic floor physical therapy. As a one rant does. is important. Uh, yeah. It is important. So important. Everyone should go. Just go. Just go. Just for fun. Just for fun. Yeah. Um, oh, and so I guess the main thing with incontinence is that stress incontinence is a huge risk factor for coital incontinence um which would be that penetration so on penetration if you so if you have a history of stress incontinence yeah earlier yeah (laughs) the the penetration (laughs) incontinence risk yeah yeah um however with the detroser overactivity that's less of a risk factor for people um so i wanted to introduce so that was just like a general review and i guess the overwhelming thing with that is um it's not really clear. There's multiple sources of multiple fluids is kind of what we're getting at. But there was one study that I just thought was real interesting how they did this. So this was back in 2015 in the Journal of Sexual Medicine called The Nature and Origin of Squirting in Female Sexuality. And they put squirting in quotation marks. Mm. Um, so here they, they add very small. So seven healthy women um, who reported that they had recurrent and massive fluid emission during sexual stimulation. Mm-hmm. So women who already documented that they squirted and they were healthy, they had no um, no other gynecological abnormalities. So how the study went is that they had bladder scans and fluid analysis. So they, they did pelvic ultrasound scans and they did this after voluntary urination, right before um, uh, sexual arousal. So they indicated that they fully had emptied their bladders um, and then they did a second scan of the bladder and that was after sexual arousal but before orgasm. Yeah. This is like 25 to 30 minutes 
Um, they did a scan, and then finally they did, they did a third scan after the squirting episode. Um, I'm calling it episode after yeah. the orgasm, but um, and then they also did biochemical analysis analysis of these fluids. So they did an analysis of the urine samples before the sexual stimulation, and then they also did a urine sample after the squirting episode, and then they also did an analysis of the the fluid that was squirted out. Um, so what they found with this, so in that first ultrasound, mm-hmm. everyone emptied their bladder. Fantastic. And then with the second ultrasound, they actually found that the bladder pretty quickly refilled. Um, and then, um, with the third after the squirting, um, they found that the bladder was once again emptied. And this, um, hmm. Yeah. So, so that would suggest it's urine, basically. So that would suggest it's urine. Yeah. 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 Um, so I think... This is a real interesting thing, too, because obviously when women who squirt, they usually enjoy it. It's associated with their orgasm. They enjoy it. They have no problems with it. Um, And also, like I said, in pop cultures, it's deemed as this, like, really awesome thing. Mm -hmm. So go ahead and squirt. That's awesome. But they're really upset at the notion that this would be urine because they insist that, like, um, it can't be urine. It's a clear. It's odorless. It doesn't smell or look like pee. Um, and to them, it's just something very, very different than this. So they're really upset by this. But I think the second bladder scan, re- and um, so a common thing people say is like, I will make sure I pee right before sex and I'll still have this huge amount of fluid come out. So that's why I think this, in this study, the second ultrasound shows that even yeah. in 25 right. to 30 minutes of sexual arousal and stimulation, you, your bladder still had time to fill up. Oh, yeah. So, um, so and then with this, they also did um, analysis and they, they did find... Um, that a lot of it had elements of um, urine, like urea and creatinine, uric acid. And then they did find PSA, and they found it in five of the seven squirting fluids. Um, um, and then in the squirting urine, too, they found it. Um, and then it was not present, though, in six of the seven samples before even any sexual arousal. So mm. um, their conclusion of this study is that squirting is essentially the involuntary emission of urine during sexual activity. Um, but like I said, most people are like really upset at this notion that it could be urine. Which well, makes, urine it, sterile. It, it it is, but it makes sense <laughs> that people are upset because you know, from the time that we're small babies, we're taught that mm-hmm. you know urine is something that you do not release involuntarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. yeah. there's a lot of shame associated with you know, uh, for many people, I would assume incontinence yeah. and. And things like that. So to suggest that somebody's incontinence is like, uh, no. Yeah. I'm not that. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting because if someone's experiencing this squirting phenomenon, it's not necessarily incontinence. Yeah. I would. Right. Yeah. I think that's two different things. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think it's fair to, you know, like someone who's squirting, I don't think there would be any need for medical treatment as opposed to like no, someone who's no. like, I have weak Unless form. they had the like penetrative incontinence or yeah, whatever, would, then yeah. that's like an issue. That would imply obviously. stress incontinence. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah. yeah, I just think that's pretty. Well, if you're if you're upset about it, I mean, just ignore the fact. <laughs> I <laughs> I guess, but I mean, if you're upset about it, I mean, you know, it, it does that not sort of lead one to the conclusion that it is for them a disorder and is that a valid reason to treat or but i don't know how you i don't know that you could treat it though i guess but i mean but like why why would we 
why would we say it's a disorder? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I guess. I mean, there's lots of things people think are bad but aren't disorders. Yeah, I know. Like all of cosmetic surgery is based on that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the most important thing is just to remember that if it's a part of sexual intercourse for you or yeah. orgasm and enjoyment, and you're enjoying it, it doesn't really matter what the fluid is. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess my I no guess shame. what I meant by that was you know like if you're if you're hating that to the point where you're avoiding intercourse, for instance. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's a different. That would be a different story. I'm not sure what you could do about that other than to mm-hmm. find some way to not hate it so much yeah well i wonder if it like happens every time i don't really understand that and it would also, be almost worse if it happened <laughs> randomly you know, yeah, like, yeah. In an unpredictable you don't really way. know yeah if yeah. you were if but, that, like if i wonder if you could like you. control it by like position or like hydration or sounds like a good study like for that. an obgyn yeah no thanks mm. in the future <laughs> One yeah. besides me. For someone. For yeah. someone. Someone. Someone that's to... not Katie. <laughs> Anyone who's listening, figure out the squirting business. Yeah. Figure out what's yeah. going on with squirting. So when this was first coming out back in like the 20th century, there's actually feminists, more radical feminists that hated the notion of this, and they uh, dismissed this as like a a figment of male fantasy um, that this couldn't really be happening. Um, and citing the fact that there was no quality research. Obviously, all the studies were performed by men, um, and yeah. that there was no way at that time to distinguish it from female urination during orgasm. And just yeah. kind of hinting on kind of what we're talking about already, like why do we need to have like a physical or like a a visible display of an orgasm? Cool. Right. And I just think it shows that like the history of sexuality is like penis centric. Because we feel the need to define orgasm in the like terms of like ejaculation and stuff like that. Yeah. But what if like female orgasm is something totally different, you know, which yeah. so but because we've always defined it as like kind of males ejaculating, that's how people people have to put it into those terms. Mm-hmm. So, so is it an enlightening conversation, guys? Well, it's not really, though, because it's still just as confusing. We know if there's sometimes, some element of PSA, and there has to be some. And that it could be different things than answers. for different people. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that was but, very so philosophical. That's a very Corbin. Sometimes questions are better yeah. than answers. That's a very Corbin. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think it's worthwhile to say it's just urine because... Like that systemic review was looking at I yeah. think our systematic this, review was looking at the PSA fluid thing and there is, is very interesting. I agree. Yeah. But then also they are like distinguishing that squirting fluid as like a different color. There's elements of, of fructose My and hypothesis in it. Yeah. is that it's both. It's both. It's a mix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just don't see how you could have that much fluid coming from those glands. Yeah, anatomically it makes no yeah. sense. Um, but I, I could totally see how there could be a certain amount of that mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. And there's no way, cause like vaginal well, lubrication can come from like the vaginal walls and muscle contraction. And there's yeah. just no way yeah. that you can get enough fluid from that alone. Well, see, the way that you would figure out is. if it's from the skein's glands or the Bartholin's glands is, would be to like basically cauterize the opening or like somehow restrict the opening of those glands, right? You would like have to restrict the os. But that's or unethical, so. Could you put some, like, radio? I See, this is what I want to know, is you could give them. Yeah, just put some dye in the bladder. and then. Well, see. you could give them, um, what's the dye we put in urine to make sure we didn't hit a ureter? Uh, you know. Yeah. 
what's that called fluorescein we can give them fluorescein which makes your urine uterus to make sure that you didn't enter the cavity when you do a myomectomy yeah so you could give them fluorescein iv which comes out in their pee so it makes their pee like green because it's fluorescent Mm -hmm. and then you could put like a different kind of dye in the vagina so that all of the vaginal fluid would be that color and then you that would help figure it out probably also find a way to distinguish them though you could probably also plug up various ducts with the stuff that they use for um like duct tape no (laughs) like uh the stuff that they use for the the reversible vasectomy kind of Oh yeah, like a kind polymer, of for, yeah, mm, or yeah. just with because that's yeah. fully reversible. I maybe that would work. Yeah, ideas for you PI for you budding PIs out there, yeah. or you real PIs. We're doing most of the work here, so that's right. Come on, guys. Yeah, I know. Come on, we're doing the heavy lifting. We're the idea man. Stop slacking. Ideas, man's men. Ideas. What ideas, Ladies. women? We're the ideas man. man. Anyway. I have a fallopian file. Let's hear it. So my fallopian file is a book called Homegoing. It is by Yag Yassi. Uh, she is a graduate of the Iowa Writers Workshop. Mm. Oh, fancy. Um, but this book is a historical fiction novel published in 2016. Yeah, I know, right? Historical fiction. Oh, it's amazing, you guys. Okay, so basically, it's in Asante land, which is now, like, modern-day Ghana. And it's back, like, in when the slave trade was, like, starting to ramp up, basically. And it follows these two lines of families that are... So that first... Well, this kind of gives away part of the book, but it's important. So they, like, find out their sisters. They have different dads, though. But it follows, like, both of their lineages all the way to, like, modern-day... And one of them marries a slave trader and the other one gets traded as a slave. And so it like so one of them like lives in Ghana for their whole life, basically, like one family lineage. And the other one like comes to America very early. And like and it is I mean, it's heartbreaking. Like it is like not a fun read, but it is amazing. Like it's it was just so good and like beautifully written. And it just like it i mean it is heartbreaking that's like all you can say about it but it's a very good book so what's it called again homegoing homegoing yeah anyway i have one i listened recent on my long drive down to texas i listened to the habitat (gasps) which is a new gimlet it's so good it's like a series of eight i think seven and then a bonus episode but it's basically about these people who are put in like a little bubble in hawaii to simulate like the first group who will go to mars and like how they will react and stuff like that and they were in it for a year is this true yes Mm -hmm. yeah it's really good i didn't listen to it for a while because i'm like i don't know how into it i will be but since i was on the car ride i was like well i have all this time and it was really good all right i my uh philippine files is your local full service moving company Mm-hmm. Uh, so as you listen, as our faithful listeners will know, uh, I moved recently, paid for uh, packing and moving. Um, it was a glorious experience. I highly recommend it. If you can scrape up the many, many dollars that that sort of thing costs, it's worth it just to sit on your ass <laughs> while other people do the packing for you. I would advise I would advise purging. 
uh, before that happens because lots of random things get thrown into random boxes uh, mm. otherwise. But uh, if you're a sufficiently organized person, totally go for it. So they just pack up your stuff? Yeah, everything. We didn't pack. We packed that a little like bit, so but that was more me. because we packed a little bit because more because we were trying to sell the house. And so we wanted to declutter and get some stuff like, mm -hmm. you know, that other people wouldn't care about out of the way. Um, but other than that, they came in and just did the works. It took them six hours. That's crazy. To do the majority of packing. It took me like six another, fucking days. Yeah. And then another couple of hours the next morning to get the last random um, items. And those are the items that we're probably going to have a hard time finding. Um, yeah. But at the same time, they weren't all that important anyway, because they were by, by their nature were random. Anyway, point is. Yeah. That'd actually be a fun job to have for like a summer or less because it sounds actually, stressful. Yeah. But then you like dig through everything that someone owns. Like you see everything that they I have. feel like this is your goal in a job. <laughs> like it's totally just like knowing goal. your past jobs, like this yeah. just fits you just, so well. What were your past jobs? Well, I used to do apartment cleaning, which was really, really fun. Okay. Didn't I you clean that. hotels too? Maybe I'm thinking of someone else. No. Oh, I, one of my roommates in college cleaned hotel count? rooms. That's I, an I, interesting the, job. The downside of this is that, uh, you know, I so after you know preparing for the move and you know preparing to put our house on the market and all that kind of stuff, things were pretty clean in the house, uh, mm -hmm. but they still weren't. You know, like you move the bed and mm -hmm. there is an unconscionable amount of dust underneath yeah. the bed. There is, yeah. you know, just um, and and then and that's for people who are fairly clean. You know, if you go into somebody's house and they're not as clean as we are, I can just imagine the human derbis that you know yeah. you would be exposed to but you cleaned houses so or apartments yeah. so you kind of know a little bit about that i'll be cleaning an apartment this afternoon Woo. Yeah. ours ours Ugh. do you have a philippian file well kind of i'm rereading richard yates revolutionary road which is fun from a feminist perspective and i don't know what this book is uh is, is made into a movie it's a mm. non or it's a fiction, excuse me, it's fiction. It was made into a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet back in like 2008. It's about like a 1950s suburbia family. Mm. It's good. I read it when I was younger and now that I'm like a 30-year-old woman reading it, it's hitting a little too close to home, but. <laughs> good times. Mm -hmm. mm. Cool. I do enjoy going back to read things that I read when I was younger and really, oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. really enjoyed. Uh -huh. um, I know. And just sort of thinking about, you know, like how, you know, how did I take this back then and how do I take it now? You know, sort of thing. Yeah. So. And then some things it's like, there's no way I understood this. When I, was right, exactly. I know. Like, I know. Was, in my stuff that I, I found that I was going through, I found my copy of Harry Potter in Spanish, the first Ugh. book. So I'm excited to read that. That's amazing. Work on my Spanish and read Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. Who's on our next episode? Oh, yeah. So our next episode is going to be... So Dr. Katie Amboric, she is um, a doctor here at the University of Iowa, and she runs the LGBTQ health clinic here. So we're going to have her on and talk about LGBTQ health in general, and then the clinic here specifically. So I suspect our listeners won't want to miss that. Yeah, she's be awesome. awesome. Yeah. All right. All right, friends. See you soon. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.